like folks in the legislature go, oh, we only have a you know eight hundred million dollars surplus, or oh my goodness, it's yeah, a two hundred and fifty billion dollar deficit. And I'm like, you just need to shut up. <laughs> Stop talking. So you, you have no idea what a deficit is. This is three women and a bottle of wine. Three friends. Three former TV reporters. And one bottle of wine. Delving into whatever interests us. News, not news. What affects our lives? Because it's probably affecting yours too. I'm Kim Inslee. I'm Lynn Melling. And I'm Julie Markey. And now on with the pod. Hi, everybody. Our guest today is a true trailblazer. Amy Koch's resume includes small business owner, GOP state senator, first woman to be the Senate Majority Leader for the state of Minnesota, which I remember oh so well, Amy, that's when we met. That's when we met. She's a lobbyist and adjunct professor at the University of Minnesota and one of four people who like to stir things up on the podcast Wrong About Everything. Which is my favorite. And she's super fun and I love her so much. And she's come off an amazing couple of years. So you ran Karen Housley's U.S. Senate campaign in 2016, which was an interesting ride to be sure. Interesting for Minnesota because the seat belonged, of course, to Al Franken. And then we had two women running for the seat. Um, interesting given the circumstances. So I, I want to jump in with what that campaign was like for you. Uh, yeah. So I always say that I kind of joked with a friend the other day that I haven't had a quiet year this decade, but I, I'm here to tell you that 2019 has been lovely. The first quiet year I've had literally this decade. So, uh, but 18 was anything but quiet. Yeah. Uh, I was running the Housley campaign and that was a very uh, it was the end of 17 when Senator Al Franken uh, resigned under uh, duress because of uh, mm-hmm. Me Too mm-hmm. allegations from multiple women. Uh, and the governor appointed his then lieutenant governor, Tina Smith, mm-hmm. to, uh, to, to the election. So basically, she served from December of 2017 until re-election in November of 2018. There was a special election called. Uh, and so I am really great friends with Senate, State Senator Karen Housley. She's from, uh, we're recording in Delwood, and she's from this area. Oh, perfect. Yeah, so it's perfect. Um, and she and I met early on when she was first uh, considering a run for State Senate. And we just, sometimes there's people in politics, you know, was it that said, you, you know, if you need a friend in politics, get a dog. <laughs> um, I would say that that is almost accurate except that you find a few people and the people that you do find then um, you're in the trenches with become true friends and that is Karen for me. She's a fantastic person and so she called me and she said, Amy, I'm running and I said, okay and she said, I, wanna, I want you to run the campaign and I said, okay. <laughs> it was a very like immediate um, decision but it had to be because you had literally, you know, 10 months to, to an election um, mm-hmm. and a special election with a lot of national attention because of how it had gone down um and and a real opportunity so i really loved it because um for, you know we had two women we had two yeah. women for the first time running for u.s senate we, you know we only just recently elected uh, not that long ago senator amy klobuchar is our first woman u.s she senator a, yeah 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 uh wow. and so to have you know two women on the ballot now running for that seat is really exciting either way we were going to get you know absolutely and so amy as a part of you know any campaign you're traveling the state helping karen and, and the entire team try to get elected you're listening to minnesotans you know we three lynn kim and i all coming from the news business we like to pretend we know what the issues are <laughs> but you actually heard it from minnesotans what did you hear that might have gone a little bit differently than what we would have expected any pain points any surprises 
Well, you know, I think the dynamics um, of the president and how they played. So he got elected in 16. So this was two years later. And there was a massive backlash in the 2018 election against the president. Um, there was really the DFL turnout in the state was unprecedented for an off year. Um, and so, I mean, the turnout models that we had, I had cranked them up uh, and we didn't, they they far surpassed that. So there was just real, um, on the, pre- just really about the president, that was just a massive vote. Um, and then, but then there were side issues. There's the mining, it depends on where you are. Mm-hmm. It's geographic, right? Mm-hmm. So you go up, you go up on the range and mining is a really big issue. That is probably one of the issues on the range. Uh, you go out, you go to CD7, or even CD6 or CD1, and it's all about farming. It's all about trade and mm-hmm. the concerns that they have. They they support uh, what the president has been doing, but getting tougher on trade. Um, but they're very concerned because it is absolutely affecting their bottom line. And how much longer is this going to go on with China? Um, so, and then, but I, I would say in the suburbs, so much of it was they just did not, the rhetoric, the political rhetoric that had been so hyped up, um, they were just so tired of it. And voting... Um, for the DFL was a sort of a way to vote against that, mm-hmm. uh, even in- though the president wasn't on the ballot. It's interesting how, how things flip around, too. When you talk about the Iron Range, um, my grandpa, you know, grew up on the Iron Range. He was a miner. He was a Democrat through and through because of the labor, you know, because of unions. But now, so very Democratic, very blue, but because of the environmental issues and it's flipped around to red. It's just it's such an interesting, I feel like we're in this kind of interesting universe where left is right and right is left and up is down and who who knows where the lines blur right i mean nine years ago if you'd have told me it was 2010 when chip kravak beat out oberstar on the cd8 on cd8 mm-hmm. which is the range and that was the first time a republican had won it in 40 some years um dfl is democrat farm labor mm-hmm. and there was a reason that they had such a lock um and you are absolutely seeing that not just with the farmers who have very much shifted republican uh but the laborers the unions um if you look at the 49ers or the carpenters unions or the you know ibew uh you Union labor is moving over to the Republican side as well. Um, and so it's a, it's a really interesting, I mean, politics are always fascinating, but this is, it's so much fun. And so to that point, Amy, have you, it just seems to me that right now there's so much acrimony and we were saying off, um, off when we weren't recording that it's just a very anxious society right now. Have you ever experienced anything quite like this before? No, it is so anxious. Um, and what I would just, what I, what, you know, so what I say about it is, no, there's so much anxiety on both sides, by the way. So I was attended the Trump rally. Um, I've not been um, vocally supportive of the president. I like some of the things he does, um, but I've been pretty critical also. Um, but I've gone to his rallies because I want to see. Um, and what I saw even re- like leading up to the rally, and this is so interesting, you would see the activists that were planning a protest and they were on alert because they thought, oh my gosh, Republican activists are going to infiltrate us and cause trouble and, uh, and people are going to get hurt as a result of that. And then on the, on the Republican side, you saw fear. You saw them saying, oh, these activists are going to be out there and you need to watch out and they're bringing tear gas and this mm-hmm. is what Antifa does. There's, it's not even just anxiety. Like there's actual fear yeah. of the other yeah. side. And and I watched on Twitter both sides doing that. And I thought, you know, most of the people that I know, yes, are there going to be a few troublemakers? But most of the people I know that are going to the rally are just going to the rally, you know, because they support this president. And they want to go see him and it's a big deal. And most of those folks out there protesting are just like mm-hmm. genuinely opposed to what he stands for and they want to stand up and talk about it and that's not to to hurt anyone right and when i see that happening it 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 makes me anxious because it's not 
your issue versus that issue. It's it's becoming people against people. Like, I do not trust you people. Right. You're going to come at me with pitchforks. No, you're going to hurt me, which I think is dangerous for the country. And the other thing, too, is, I, I you know, what happened? So we've learned that people are trying to tamper with our elections, other countries. And I guess I shouldn't be so surprised by that, right? Um, but now going into 2020, I, I find it really alarming. I find it alarming that people easily pass around stuff on their Facebook and stuff. I remember getting stuff. I'm like, this is absolutely not true. Why, why is relative whoever sending me this? It's unsourced. It's not true. It's a lie. And this continues. And Facebook says they're not going to uh, do anything as far as advertising. And you can run a fake ad and it's going to be a okay with them. Um, this is alarming to me. So do you have concerns going into 2020 about the election? itself the integrity of that well i you know i always in the end have a more faith in the electorate um and so i i i think that more people more people are becoming very wise to that what is it that zuckerberg said in his testimony i think it was um, um aoc that asked him okay if i decided to run ads at saying this republican supports my green new deal mm -hmm. you would ex they would accept that ad and zuckerberg basically said yeah mm -hmm. i think they would um and so um, I don't think there's either side that's a big fan of Mark Zuckerberg <laughs> and Facebook. It's just such a behemoth and we're all on it. And it is how we communicate and keep track of people's, you know, I keep track of my cousins and all their births and, and all their, you know, getting married. And um, so I don't think it's going away anywhere soon. But I just, I just really hope, I think it's such, social media offers such a platform the president, love him or hate him, but to have the president of the United States going directly to the people in, a, in Twitter is really spectacular if you think about it. Now, does he, do I agree with what he says and how he uses it? No, it's too much. But to have that accessibility where all of us can tune in and hear directly from him every day from the it's president unusual. of the United States, yeah. it's and unusual. It's, and it's a, it's a very powerful tool. Um, I think we just have to get our arms around like the ethics and the, mm -hmm. it's just such a new frontier and it's a little wild west still. And, and we're going to have to wrestle that down because there is such an opportunity for, you know, untruth mm -hmm. um, and, and dissemination of propaganda. And we have to use our critical thinking. Right. Absolutely. Use your and, brain. and then when you have a foreign entity that has discovered this hole and mm -hmm. is actually using it to exploit and to, to affect elections, mm -hmm. Some to success and some mm -hmm. not. Well, it's really... and it's, it's a concern. Yeah, and it's a tool that's dividing people, that's mm -hmm. pushing people away from each other. It's creating fear. Um, I'd love to know, I mean, in your podcast, you know, you're, you're constantly... Like, the whole point of your podcast is to talk to somebody that doesn't agree with you. And I feel like in our society right now, we don't... We're losing that ability to have a conversation with somebody that doesn't agree with us. Um, what have you learned in your podcast and what do you so, have hope that we'll get back to a place where we can start to have civil conversations? So I do. So a couple things, you know, social media, I think, though, gets a really big bad rap. And there's a lot of it, too. I will say that I think this division started before social media. This is division started with the 24 hour news cycle. And you can find that when you started to have MSNBC on one side and Fox News on the other. And literally, you could watch the same story on those. It is if you've ever done it, compare the two, you would not even know that you're on the same planet watching the news. And if I may just say from a Republican side that, you know, the, the president talks about fake news and I'm not talking to a bunch of journalists, so this is going to get dicey. <laughs> it's okay. Okay. But let me say that there was a, le there was a leftist slant to the media for a very long time. A, just, just a center left. If you interviewed the folks in the newsroom, you know, the vast majority would, would be 
you know, left. Now, I don't think that's the same of local news, but uh, especially on a national level. So there became a natural sort of um, suspicion mm. of media. Now, the president came in and has exploited that to the nth by calling it all fake news, which it is not. And, and, and I think that becomes dangerous when you start, you know, just completely dismissing. Um, but there is an there is an element of responsibility that the media has themselves because they do have an extra, extra special responsibility to be neutral and to absolutely check, check their facts over and over. Because as soon as, you know, the president unearths something where someone has gotten over their handlebars bars trying to take him out, then he says fake news and everybody goes, yep, fake news. Just what he's been saying all along. Um, so I will say that. Uh, as to you know the podcast and what I find is hopeful, most people when you talk to them just like sitting around like this, like most people feel the exact same way we do on our podcast. They aren't, yeah, they're Republicans or Democrats and they have very strong feelings about the issues, but they'd, they'd really rather like talk about it and have a great conversation. Um, and um, But what I, what I found is that mistrust is what get the, gets in the way. On the podcast, we fully trust each other. Um, and, mm. and with that, we're able to say things that you wouldn't normally say once you've gotten in your silos or with someone that you, you think is your enemy. Um, so Javier is completely, um, he's completely on the other side of me on almost all issues. Um, but I know him and I trust him. So when he speaks, I know he's coming from a good place. And I know that I can actually like talk about Republicans in a way that is a little more um, sensitive. And I can be a little more honest about, well, you know, I got to be honest. I actually have a real problem with what's going on with you know, are like, let's take Syria and the Kurds and, and, the, and the removing the, the troops from that area. I think it's terrible. Um, I served in the military. I was at the NSA. Um, my husband was an Arab linguist. Um, I know what the Kurds have done for our country. And us pulling out of there is, un I think, unconscionable and wrong. And I think it's a strategic area. Anyway, I can say that with Javier mm -hmm. and know that I'm going to be okay. And I, I think that's, so I think people just have to start talking to each other more. And you mm -hmm. can enjoy a glass of wine or do it over a beer. But that's what's really missing is finding that friendship and trust. And that friendship that you can trust. I don't think a lot of people know this about you, but you are in an amazing fantasy football league with a bunch of women. And <laughs> wow. I, yes, with Karen Housley. And um, yes. I've been trying to get on this league, but you guys are afraid of me. And I understand no, no, that. No, no. It's all <laughs> fear. so good. It's okay. Right, right. right. So, We've I mean, here. really, there you're, that's a true platform for trash talking and, <laughs> yes. you know, everything that's right and wrong in society. But how do you make that work and keep your friendships intact? And, I, and do you think that really it parallels a little bit with politics and keeping those friendships intact? Oh, it totally does. So we have we have a 12 women league. It's been going on for about six years. When we started, it's called the Grid Iron Ladies uh, because it's a I named it and it's an homage to Margaret Thatcher, who was the Iron Lady. Yeah, and it was yeah, all Republicans right. to start. It was all Republicans to start. And I didn't know anything about fantasy, but I wanted to try it. And I found a bunch of other women that had any idea about. Well, I we're tried the to be their token nonpartisan. <laughs> well, we have, so we've allowed one Democrat and we have one Packer fan now. Um, and the Packer <laughs> fan was, came in much harder than the Democrat. Like, that was a much tougher decision. That would be tough. <laughs> um, but it is, um, it didn't, it, we, we started when we didn't even know, like, what's an RB? We would say, like, what's an RB? And we'd have to check. What is Are that? you kidding me? I would have won those first later, couple of years. And it's a great won. trophy. <laughs> Run, running back? <laughs> running back. Okay. There's, yeah, I yeah. just learned something. And our, WR is wide out. So, <laughs> so now we're pros. Lynn's um, trying to figure out how to equate that to some kind of outdoor gear. <laughs> anyway, I just love the question because I don't think guys would ever 
like there would ever be any of that kind no, of. No, but we were safe to ask each other, yeah. and we learned together. And now we trust each other. We're you know we're terrible to each other. We have a text thread every Sunday, and <laughs> you just you text, yeah, you go crazy. Um, and we did. We even got featured a couple of years ago. We were on um, a Sunday morning. You a were CBS Sunday morning. Yeah, national. Uh, they were doing the ladies of fantasy, <laughs> and they featured Arlie on I CBS. Because why wouldn't Sunday. you, right? Yeah, once yeah. when you trust each other, and so not to bring it back to politics, but I think there's that lack of you, know, you used to hear about Democrats and Republicans going down to the diner and having yes. lunch together. Or in Iowa, there was a great governor, Bob Ray, who when Democrats and Republicans would get into squabbles up on the you know on the, the floor of the state house, he'd have them go down to the basement and play ping pong and not talk about the issues, just mm-hmm. to build that trust. Right. And it just seems like there is a lack of just friendships and everybody's on guard and not yeah. willing to let their guard down. Famously, Speaker of the House, a Democrat Tip O'Neill was fast friends with President Ronald Reagan. And that mm-hmm. wasn't uh, a relationship that moved a lot of amazing things forward in our country and, you know, gave got us out of, uh, you know, the sort of 70s and into some real economic boom times mm-hmm. in the 80s and 90s. Well, so. and Amy, I noticed that when I was covering the legislature and you were in the Senate at the time and a lot of people, while they disagreed on the Senate floor, the minute the cameras were turned off and people were in the hallway there was handshaking people were going out to dinner together there seemed to be some camaraderie if not necessarily friendship has that been lost or do people just not see that i think most people don't see it that was the one thing that surprised me too julie not just the friendships but like 85 percent of what happens at the state capitol is bipartisan and that's not an exaggerated number. Most of the legislation going through there, there's bits of it that someone can agree with and some that they don't. It's, it falls along geographic lines. It falls along ge- like uh, sometimes gender lines, sometimes um, age lines. So sometimes mm-hmm. it's just a difference of like, you know, think about the legalizing weed issue, right? Well, so that is, there's a lot of libertarians in the Republican Party that support it. And there's a lot of left folks that support it, but there tends to be older folks that don't. I mean, so, so the issues don't break down on party lines except for like 15%. But of course- you know, it's a 15% that gets loud and it gets messy. And that's what and gets that's in the news for a good reason. So, yeah. so solve a mystery for me. <laughs> okay. Why is it, as we're in the legislative session, every darn year it comes down to the wire and nothing <laughs> happens until the last 24 hours, even 12 hours. I mean, why? It's just, you know, it is the nature of hu- human existence, right? It's the procrastination. It's the pressure. I don't know what it used to be, but I started serving in 2006 and I don't know that there was a single year. I, I would have to look that we ever got done early. Ever, ever, ever. Nope. Um, it, I, I, <laughs> Not while I, I, was I there. don't remember. Nope. Never, right? Yeah. No. Every year. And it's every down to the wire. But there, there was always a session. promise of getting done early. Right. So there was this little carrot dangling in the air. And we were like, oh, maybe I can plan a vacation. No. No, no, no I no. cannot. And well, it's the worst, okay. of course, was 2010. And that was when yeah, the Republicans. Right. And that was with good reason, though. So Republicans had just won the state house and the state. Senate, state Senate for the first time in 40 some years. And I was elected the majority leader. And then we had Governor Dayton, who'd been just newly elected. And we both run on completely opposite things. Governor Dayton had openly run on he's going to raise your taxes. And we had we had absolutely run on not a penny more. And we both got elected. So we found ourselves just staring at each other. And then, by the way, 
like, you know, the November forecast came out the first week of December and we had a six, six billion dollar deficit, which now I laugh at that. Like folks yeah. in the legislature go, oh, we only have a, you know, eight hundred million dollar surplus or, oh, my goodness, it's a two hundred fifty billion dollar deficit. <laughs> I'm like, you just need to shut up. <laughs> so you, you have no idea what a deficit is. So you had this enormous problem and you had to work with someone who ran on a platform that was completely different. Completely from yours, different. But you did it. So we, how did you do we it? We did. So so what it found, first of all, we formed a relationship early. And there was my first meeting with him. I, he came to my office, actually. And I remember I was thinking, I was like, I have to give him a gift or something. And so I bought him uh, these this bunch of M&Ms. I found out we had a tracker on him <laughs> during the election. So we contacted the Republican tracker and said, what does he eat for candy? <laughs> and they said, uh, we saw him eat peanut M&Ms a lot. So I bought just a bunch of peanut M&Ms and put it in this like like this jar, big glass jar, um, and wrapped a bow on it. And then he came to my office and I offered that to him. And he was so touched. He was so genuinely touched. And we had our meeting. And then we were going to go talk to the press. And he was carrying the jar of mm. peanut M&Ms. And his staff tried to take it from him. Tina Smith was his chief of staff at the time. And I remember she was following him, like, trying to get the peanut M&Ms before we went from the press. But he wasn't having it. He was holding the peanut mm. M&Ms like it's such a gesture. And so in the press conference that he and I have, you can still see it's one of my favorite pictures. I'm laughing. And he's holding up the jar of peanut M&Ms. <laughs> so, I mean, it's it started. We knew we were different, but we started. We tried, I really always tried to stay in that like zone. Um, when I would go to visit him, um, and sometimes we just sit there and stare at each other like, I don't know what to do, Governor. I don't know how to get out of here. I don't have the votes to vote for what you want, and we can't support it. So, so. do you think, so for people who don't listen to politics, who aren't into yeah. politics, but are, who are business people, who are going to work every day, any advice, because I think a lot of people in the workplace face this, you know, paralyzing, trying to make decisions, trying to get ahead. Um, but in the boardroom, do you... I mean, it's, I guess it's not really a question, but kind of an observation that, you know, just having that trust and that friendship with people that you work with and taking that extra time to form those friendships and those relationships can be really helpful in success. That's it. It's all about relationships and everybody knows it and people just don't do it well. I tell people when they're coming to lobby the legislature, I was like, you know what, if you have a 15 minute meeting and you spend a minute of that talking about your issue, but 14 minutes of it connecting with your legislature mm -hmm. on legislator on the school that your kids attend and mm -hmm. find a commonality like, yep. oh, well, you know so-and-so who owns the seven vines, that's going to do you, you're going to yeah. stick in their head and make more progress than sitting there for 15 minutes reading off your sheet of paper about your issue. Yeah, trying to make a sale. You yeah. segued right into the break here. So we are, are <laughs> going to take a little break. We are sipping a little wine, right? <laughs> I want to mention that we are being hosted by Seven Vines Vineyard in Delwood, which is an amazing winery that Julie guided us to. It's north of the Twin Cities. Um, and I'm they like have a homing pigeon, Kim. I just <laughs> find it. <laughs> they have wine tastings. They have weekly yoga sessions, concerts, cooking classes, pairing classes. And it's beautiful. There's a wedding going on here today. You might have heard a little bit of the wedding party here. Thank you to them. And uh, we want you to check out our podcast because we did a couple of segments with Seven Vines. So check that out. We'll be back with our final flight with Amy Coke. Three Women and a Bottle of Wine is supported by 515 Productions. 515 Productions is a video production business with base camps in Minneapolis and Des Moines, Iowa. Ian, who's so great, and his crew understand the art of creative storytelling, and they know how to make video look really, really good. Learn more at 515productions.com. 
Our logo was created by Aaliyah DeSalt, a creativity guru offering art workshops to everyone from business executives to book clubs because we all have untapped creative potential just waiting to be unleashed. You can find her contact information on our website. You can stay up to date on our podcast by checking out our website, threewomenandabottleofwine.com. You can also connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, where you'll find behind-the-scenes photos and, of course, much, much more. Be sure you don't miss an episode. Subscribe to our show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And we are back for the final flight, and I'm going to start. So, Amy, you're locked in an escape room with one of your fellow podcasters, who, from Wrong About Everything, Kim gets credit for this question. <laughs> Do you want in the escape room on your team, and why? I only get one. Oh, yeah, just one. Oh, I mean, it has to be Javier. We just work so well together, and we would solve those puzzles, and we would laugh our butts off while we did it. So it would have to be Javier. Although Brian is super sneaky, and Karen is one of the funniest, uh, smartest people that I know. But it would have to be Javier. Well, we, so we all imagine what it's like being on the campaign trail. What doesn't the public get about the realities of campaigning, good or bad or both? Uh, you know, I think the main thing, one, there is a tremendous amount of pressure and it's really hard to fathom what it feels like to have your name on the ballot and to be accepted or rejected by, you know, 70,000 people. Um, and that hurts and no matter how thick your skin is. Um, but also just for a note for women, um, women run for office, please. We are such a big Amen. hindrance to ourselves. That is what people, women, you know, it is an old boys club and we do get excluded, but so much of it is self-exclusion. Mm -hmm. And so I, this is what I preach on either. I don't care what side of the aisle you're on. Run for office. You make amazing candidates. You will win. You are the best person. You're so often will and, say you aren't. And other women support those women who are running. And by the way, exactly. And they are in support. I'm going to disagree with that statement. I think anybody doing online dating knows what it's like to be rejected by somebody. <laughs> <people. But anyway. laughs> right. uh, moving forward. Touché. Well done. All right. <laughs> You still have to spend a lot of time at the state capitol, Amy. And so you you just moved to St. Paul as well in recent months. What's your favorite thing about either the capital or the capital city? Because we want to give St. Paul a little love here. We do need to give them some love. Yes. So I was so worried to move to St. Paul because I thought it's going to be so boring after three years by the Viking Stadium in Minneapolis in this beautiful condo loft. I love St. Paul. It has got its character. It's got a whole different character. It is laid back. Um, and I know everybody says, well, St. Paul keeps St. Paul boring. I have not had a moment of boring in St. Paul. That's what I love about St. Paul. And maybe it's just me. I don't know. Maybe. I'm bringing it. <laughs> I'm bringing it St. Paul, but it's it's there's nothing about it that's boring. <laughs> nothing about you that's boring either. Right Thank on. you, Amy Coke. Uh, you are listening. You can listen to Amy at Wrong About Everything anywhere. You get your podcast. It is truly one of my favorites. It gets me through runs. It gets me through a bad day. And there's a new one every week. Uh, agreed. And you can almost always walk away with a smile. But anyway, thanks again, Amy. And you all are listening to Three Women and a Bottle of Wine. Until next time, ladies. And thanks again to Seven Vines Vineyard. <laughs> <laughs>